Welcome to Psychology Radiocast, a service of the Pennsylvania Psychological Association. I'm your host, Dr. David Zarung. On today's episode, Dr. Bernard Seif interviews sports psychologist Dr. Jared Spencer regarding the application of psychology beyond uh, clinical work. Bernie, welcome to the program. Thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. For our new listeners, please tell us a little bit about yourself. I know you've been on the podcast uh, before, but we have new listeners all the time. Sure. Um, I'm a, a Catholic monk and a clinical psychologist and a doctor of natural medicine. Uh, one of my patients said to me one time, you do everything but wheel alignment. Uh, mostly, I just try to help people uh, as best I can and uh, love doing it. And uh, tell us a little bit about uh, Dr. Spencer. He uh, is a, a sports psychologist. And um, uh, when I interviewed him, I know him personally as well. When I interviewed him, uh, I asked, uh, we invited him because, you know, we try to have a variety of people on the PPA radio cast, and we have, and they're fascinating. And I thought sports psychology would be something a little different. So that's what he does. He works with a lot of teams, uh, high school, college, uh, professional. And um, his his uh, work is is very varied. He, he's he's uh, uh, traveling a lot and he likes uh, to uh, give public speaking. He calls it inspirational speaking because uh, he's uh, uh, committed to his faith as a Christian, and uh, but very respectful of all traditions. So he wants to motivate people to do well, and it's not limited to sports. Uh, you know, if you're with him, you don't have to be super athletic or anything uh, to, um, uh, you don't have to be overly concerned that he's like, oh, you're not as competitive as me. It's not like that at all. He, um, uh, he just uh, loves what he does, and uh, He's got like five psychology licenses because he's a country doing doing this work, but a real decent human being. And it sounds like that his work is not only indoors. Sometimes he's on the field. Sometimes he's on the trail. Yes, actually, uh, he, as uh, you you hear in the interview, he recently um, recorded uh, a, a series. Um, Nordic Track and uh, iFit, somehow they're connected. They invited him to, um, you know, when you are working out on a treadmill uh, in a hotel, or if you're fortunate enough to have one in your house, there's a screen there and you can turn on uh, these trails, like I've gone through different countries and places and helps to pass the time. Well, he's doing this mostly in field, in uh, tracks in Pennsylvania. And he's talking about psychological things, anxiety, depression, stress management, seeing beautiful uh, uh, vistas as you're doing that. And so definitely he is, he is out in the field. And his, uh, his work, uh, clinical work, is he calls it repackaged. Uh, he, he, uh, he might sit down next to somebody in the locker room after they've had a game that was grueling and they're depressed or something. So it might not look like that one-to-one -one in a consulting room kind of thing, but uh, he's there for the, the, the people he serves. You know, um, 
And the interview took a, a beautiful turn. It turned into more like how uh, psychology is applicable in all sorts of settings. Because I think so many of us have the the stereotype of psychology being uh, in the treatment room doing therapy. That's an important part of a psychologist's life. But, uh, you know, as you know so well, David, you do supervision and um, uh, you also do clinical work. But uh, we do uh, pre and post testing for people for surgery. We're in court um, uh, and uh, we, we do uh, behavioral medicine kinds of things, which is my specialty. So uh, we're really in uh, lots of places. And this interview helped to, to break that stereotype down a little bit to see it repackaged and offered in sessions far beyond the consulting room. You mentioned... Uh inspiration uh, a few minutes ago and and uh, it, uh, that's kind of how I'm feeling at the moment to uh, hear about how psychology is uh, in his words repackaged for so many settings to address the human condition um, from uh, performance enhancement to uh, ameliorating human suffering um, and everything in between um, it's a uh, it's we are truly part of a great profession Oh, I so agree. And uh, Jared is a is a great example of that. He's uh, in no way pushy. He's very um, uh, gentle, but he's clear and concise. And uh, he's very fascinated by um, the brain and neuroscience and uh, clinical hypnosis, which is also one of my modalities. So he will explain very well to uh, a team uh, member uh, why uh, breathing is helpful. He'll talk about circulation and uh, getting oxygen to your fingertips and your toes and all that, and they'll get it and they'll be more motivated to use it. So I, I think of him more as a humanistic psychologist because underneath all of this uh, is the desire to help people grow, to maximize their potential, and to um, bring new life to others. And as you're saying that, it reminds me that uh, this podcast hopefully not only is part of our professional development as we listen to these episodes, uh, but also part of self-care, reminding us of the importance of what we do and uh, reminding us of the excitement of helping people be the best self that they can be. Well put. I do think we need more and more self-care, especially in some of the challenges of, of our current situation. It's being recorded during the pandemic and post-election and all of that. And uh, yeah, Jared is a good example of self-care. He does take care of himself. <clears throat> it's a challenge for him as it is for, for, for so many of us to make sure we find that time or that situation in which to consult with another, to get away, to exercise, so forth. I think it's it's crucial for our well-being and our health. And uh, he does it. Uh, it's a bit challenged to, to be able to do it, but I think that's just uh, the nature of, of our profession. Yes, especially with uh, all the travel that he does. Mm-hmm. Well, Bernie, thank you for interviewing Dr. Spencer for us. 
Uh, it was a joy to do it. And thank you, David, for this opportunity and for um, facilitating so much of our PPA radio cast. It, uh, it's a blessing for many. Well, it's been my pleasure. And now for the interview. Well, I'd like to uh, talk to our listeners first and uh, ask them if any of you have ever gone to a Pennsylvania hotel or have been lucky enough to be on vacation in a hotel, or maybe you have a, a treadmill in your house. And on that treadmill, you'll see a nice bright screen and you can turn it on and have um, uh, mountain trails and trips through Wales and through New Zealand and all kinds of places to help you along as you're in your workout. Well, I understand that now you might be able to see our guest today, Dr. Jared Spencer, who can take you through such an experience and also help you a little bit with your mental health and well-being. Is that right, my friend, Jared? Yeah, it's a really exciting time to be able to take psychology and use it in a different format like I did for, for iFit, which is really the technology that the NordaTrack treadmill uses. So to hike a beautiful mountain in Pennsylvania and talk about anxiety or depression or visualization is a really a fun thing for me to do, and I hope it benefits some people too. Yeah, it's, it's fantastic. It's such a nice blend, it sounds like, of psychology and sports and nature and you being who you are. I think you're kind of in your element doing that. I'm wondering, uh, and of course, we, full disclosure, we, neither you or I are getting any payment for talking about these companies, but um, I'm wondering uh, how you wound up being able to do that, bring psychology to that experience? I think just the way I'm hardwired is that I'm always trying to think outside the box and take psychology into places maybe that it hasn't been typically in the past. So for example, a large part of what I do is work as a sports psychologist. So how do I take psychology to an environment which has been typically resistant uh, to psychology? You know, thoughts, feelings, uh, and the, the mental side of things, or mental health even within sports. And so I'm constantly trying to say, how do I uh, bring it to an area that it hasn't been before? And uh, I think that sports is a great opportunity when, when I also combine other areas of interest I have in terms of uh, Christianity and how do I bring it maybe into um, church world a little bit more, that's another opportunity. And then also, how do we incorporate nature a little bit more into psychology? How do we know, we know that, you know, what it's like out there on the trails, and I'm an avid hiker, backpacker, so how do I incorporate more of that uh, into the mix? So the, the blend of all this stuff is my natural inclinations. How did the iFit and Nordic Track people find you, or how did you find them? I mean, it seems like a kind of a, a fascinating um, um, a confluence of experiences that drew you together. You know, Bernard, it's actually really fascinating. We Sometimes we think like, wow, it must have been this amazing big thing. Like, literally, I got an email one day and it just said, we <laughs> found out about you, we heard about you, I have no idea, but a wonderful gentleman out of Utah 
um, contacted me and said, we're interested. Can you give us a pilot? So I went down the trail uh, near our home and, and my, my poor wife, God bless her, uh, she walked backwards for, for seven minutes on the trail uh, with my iPhone, uh, trying to record me and not trip and fall down. And we pulled it off as I gave a little demo to the people in Utah. Once they saw that, they said, okay, um, let's talk. Wow, wonderful. I'm, I'm so encouraged to hear about psychology being um, uh, presented in, in so many different venues because, of course, we do a lot of psychotherapy and counseling, and it's kind of our stereotype and, and perhaps our strong point, but, but we're everywhere, and you're bringing it out in this way. You mentioned uh, sports psychology, which I understand is a, an important part of your life and a specialty for you. I'm uh, maybe, maybe in some ways I'm a little competitive, but, but not usually. My sports are more uh, hiking, power walking, running when I was a few decades younger, um, things like that. And, uh, you know, so the real competitive kinds of sports, like it's just give everybody a ball so they're not fighting. But um, for you, um, I feel perfectly comfortable talking about sports and all, and you don't come across as someone who has to make everybody play his kind of sport. Um, uh, sports for you, I think, is, is, is much broader and much deeper than looking at a football game or a wrestling match, even though you're well versed in both of those things what the public sees is just a small snapshot of the sports world and what we don't see is when the nfl game is turned off on the television you know what's going through the mind of the player as they're injured or they're recovering or they go home and they're trying to um be a good husband in a new marriage or a dad to a young kid and Really, a lot of what we don't see in sports is not glamorous. <laughs> it's, it's tough, and there's a lot of uh, psychology that can be done there to really help a young person develop. I say young person because usually my population is largely 15 to 25 is, is the majority of it. Uh, so there's a lot more going on behind the scenes than meets the eye. And that's really where I love coming alongside an athlete and helping them with that growth and development, that pressure, um, the, the mind-body, the, the, the interplay of uh, the physical, especially with injury. Um, but then the other part, too, is I love human thriving. You know, a lot of times in psychology, we can be focused on, like, what's wrong, what's the problem? But I want to also look at what's right. How do we build on that? How do we tap into your skills and ability and resources to really maximize them? And then the, in the case of the, the professional athlete, and then how do you get paid millions of dollars for that, right? <laughs> Two thoughts come to mind. One is, um, um, it, it sounds a lot like positive psychology, which has yes. a lot of uh, research and is, is, is so uh, popular today. And uh, in a very applied way, in a very practical, hands-on way. And the other is, uh, you, you may have 
some of these folks one-to-one in an office in a kind of a stereotypical counseling setting. But I, I think you're also sort of doing this kind of almost like uh, in the locker room or on the fly or where there's a need. So which helps people and maybe breaks down the stereotype a little bit. Yeah, it's very non-traditional, and and each team is a bit of um, its own entity where you've got to create a model that works for them. But yes, a lot of what I'm doing is I'm in the locker room before the game with the players um, and the coaches, and and you got to know how to handle that at the professional sports level. You know, there's a, there's a, a silence there. You got to know wh- who to approach, when to approach, when not to approach, when to step back, and it's very very delicate. Um, and so applying sports psychology in a situation like that is, um, it's fun. It's a challenge for me. Um, but yes, like after the game, uh, after the game, I always say it's like, it's like weddings and funerals. If you win, boy, it's like the biggest wedding in the locker room. Everyone's so happy and excited. And if there's a loss, you know, it's like somebody died and everyone's just like miserable. And it's like, don't speak, don't, don't say anything. Don't even look anybody in the eye. And so understanding that you've got to be able to exist in an environment like that where you literally are like, you know, not literally, but like walking on eggshells. Uh, So it's a very um, challenging, but very rewarding experience to bring psychology into those very unique situations where psychology can be incredibly powerful in those moments. Uh, But you've got to have the trust and the skills uh, to, to evolve into those kind of dynamics where they're typically closed environments. Outsiders are not allowed to see behind, like Wizard of Oz, you, you can't see behind a curtain. Yeah, you know, um, I'm sure confidentiality will limit your ability to say much, but um, behind the curtain, you've been behind the curtain, I think with some big names, individual and teams that we might recognize. Yeah, and that's the kind of the fun part about it. It's also why I'm a little bit biased to being a licensed psychologist. I know, obviously, we have a lot of colleagues that are not in the path of licensed psychologists, more sports psychology consultants. And um, I really like being able to really hide behind the HIPAA laws and utilize that to say, look, man, I I can't tell you my brag list. (laughs) And I I love that because... um, it doesn't put me in an awkward situation. So no, nobody can know, nobody's gonna find out unless the athlete themselves shares it, which is fine. Um, And so, but yeah, there's a lot of uh, different professional athletes and teams that I get to help. And it's really, um, in my opinion, it's actually been uh, really beneficial to be, remain anonymous, low profile, quiet behind the scenes, get to do what I love, but not have to deal with, some of the external things, for example, uh, media some can, can sometimes be very critical. They, uh, they may say, that team's so bad, they need a shrink. And that's why they have this guy, <laughs> right? They're, it's like, okay, that's derogatory. And I, and I understand where you're going with this article. And it's like, that's not helpful. So it's just nice to remain behind the scenes. Yeah, it's a, a powerful example of where some of the, the legalities that maybe sometimes frustrate us with paperwork and trying to get information or share information in this case is, is really, really helpful for you yeah. because it provides a safety net for everybody. And the athletes are realizing like, well, he can't talk about it anyway, so 
you know, mm-hmm. I, I can I can tell him. Yeah. And because of that, you know, he can't go tell this person, this person, this person. So it, you know, a lot of sports, you know, quite frankly, is it's, it's like complex family therapy, right? Because <laughs> you're talking to the coaches and the athletes and the trainers and the physicians, and you're kind of in the middle of all this, and you're and you're trying to make a family unit work. So, uh, for a psychologist that's not experienced in um, sports psychology, I would just say, imagine an entire family coming into your office and with extended family, and let's do some counseling. <laughs> that's a lot of what it feels like. <laughs> So it's really a lot more than getting people to play well or perform well, which can be part of it, I'm sure, but it sounds a lot deeper. You used the phrase having to get into the mind of the athlete. And I think that's also maybe your website name and the name of a book you have. Yeah. uh, So my company is called Mind of the Athletes. And my second book is called Mind of the Athlete, Clearer Mind, Better Performance. And so everything I really do is about that, that phrase, clear mind, better performance, um, which ironically is just kind of a paraphrase of Acts 24, 16, a, a verse in the New Testament, which says, I strive to keep my conscience clear before God and all man. I strive wow. to keep my conscience clear before God and all man. And really what I'm trying to say to people is like, yeah, man, just try, try to do the best you can and try to keep our conscience clear. And if we can, by living a, a life a certain way and having tools in our mental toolbox to deal with complex interpersonal dynamics, then ultimately we feel a little bit better. And when we, our mind's clear, we tend to perform better, whatever that may be. Uh, my case, obviously, athletics is, is my, my ground, but it could relate to being a mom or uh, leading a, a synagogue, uh, whatever it may be, it's, it's still applicable. So bringing your values to um, the world of sports or just the world of life or uh, psychology um, helps to clear the mind and uh, helps everyone. It seems like a message that you don't, you're not like pushing anything on anyone, but you're offering something that is life-giving at a time in our world when I think we need it a lot. Well, the stereotype has to fall uh, more than it is. Of course, we're recording this in 2020, so we're, this is a time when the stereotype is starting to fall more, uh, but we've got a long way to go. Um, and the evidence really is, you know, follow the money in business, right? And, mm-hmm. and so there's a lot of lip service given to the stereotype falling, but when it comes to resources being allocated for mental health in our culture and society, particularly sports psychology, as we're talking about, you know, high schools and colleges, uh, you know, the pros do have money allocated, but they've got deeper pockets. It's really a tight budget when it comes to many colleges and, and high schools. Um, but I do think that bringing the message to the people is going to create the opportunity for some doors to open for people to get served and helped. Um, but we got to do a little bit more to, to, to make those inroads. Right. And I think that might be where some of your, well, some people might call it public speaking, others might call it motivational speaking, but I think you like the term inspirational thinking, uh, speaking comes in. Yeah, Yeah, I use the word inspirational more because, um, so obviously my own personal bias and slant is uh, towards Christianity. So I really like blending Christianity and psychology together for those where it's appropriate, right? For many places, it's just not appropriate. And that's, I don't go there. 
Uh, but for those that are open to it, uh, certainly love to, to do that. So inspirational means in spirit. Mm. And so that feels a little bit different than motivational. And so I like to go mind, body, and spirit. So if you listen to me speak, uh, you'll, as one is listening to me, listen, uh, listening to me through this uh, recording, uh, they can begin to pick up the hints of something deep or something spiritual. Uh, so I might paraphrase a verse in the Bible, like I mentioned earlier, uh, as opposed to quoting it directly, but I'm trying to invoke something more than just the mind and the body and what I do. Thus, inspirational speaking is a big part of what I do. Right. The root uh, uh, word is uh, the same as respiration, breathing, breathing in life. Yes. Uh, and uh, when you speak, um, is it uh, to teens? Is it to parents? Is it to faculties? Variety? Yeah, variety. And so, uh, you know, today I'm, I'm at, a, at, a, at a company and um, spoke to their sales staff and so helping them uh, perform better. Um, uh, next week I'll be with a law firm, uh, you know, via Zoom and help, helping them. Uh, and then they'll record three for some high schools, high school athletic departments. And then the following week, the, the one on the schedule is for um, high school athletes and parents and coaches. Uh, so mind of the athlete, mind of the coach, mind of the parents, uh, mind of the leader is kind of what I do under the business crowd. But really, it's, you know, it's really at the same, in all these situations, it's just psychology packaged for the coach or the business leader mm -hmm. or the parents. But it's really the same psychology that we might share with the general population in a private practice office, just kind of put together in a different way for audiences. But that's a snapshot of the people that I typically serve through my speaking. So your work and the way you bring psychology to so many areas, uh, it sounds like it, it, it even uh, goes into I&O, industrial organizational psychology, where you're dealing with businesses. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, one natural kind of blend from that is, for example, the company I'm with today. Well, he was a, he was a great high school and college uh, track star. And now he, now he leads a company and he's got a sales staff. And so like, he's the kind of individual that would say, yes, I believe in this stuff. I benefited from this stuff. And it's very applicable to business today. So many times how I end up in the business um, situation is that individual values what I typically do as a sports psychologist because they've seen it, experienced it, and thus they want that same thing to carry over to business, which it does. Wow. Your uh, background and uh, professional interests also include um, mind-body medicine, um, the brain, the brain, uh, uh, its impact in sports and in life. And uh, can you talk a little bit about uh, where you see the brain in all of this? Yeah, great question. <laughs> and the mind-body stuff is really kind of uh, fascinating to me. When I was at Lafayette College, I made up my own major called psychobiology. It was half psychology, half biology. It didn't exist at that time, but my professor, uh, Dr. Wendy Hill, wonderful woman, helped me create this thing. And people said, you know, what are you going to do for a living? The hypnotized fish? <laughs> <laughs> And I was like, you're right. I don't know what I'm going to do with this. Maybe I'll be hypnotizing fish uh, for the rest of my life. Uh, 
thankfully I'm not. And, mm-hmm. um, but what I am is I'm really into neuroscience mm-hmm. and I'm really fascinated uh, by the brain. And so it really is uh, fun for me to teach about anxiety, for example, to a population of people like athletes that are going to be resistant. And if I say to them, well, just take a deep breath. It'll help you be less anxious. They'll be like, yeah, whatever. But if I go through and I explain a lot of the physiology behind why taking a deep breath actually is going to improve circulation down into your fingertips and toes, and that's so you'll be able to run faster or maybe catch a ball or, or hit a ball with your, then they're like, oh, well, now that, that, that makes sense. So explaining a lot about how the brain works or how medication impacts the, the brain body, how um, neuroscience plays into a psychology, that I found is the biggest, the biggest contributor to my success as a psychologist in the sports world is relying heavily on neuroscience. Wonderful, wonderful. There's so much more to uh, sports psychology than um, playing sports. I I mean, it it expresses itself that way, which is wonderful and it's healthy and life-giving for lots of people, but there's so much more underneath all of this that uh, someone like you can share. I mean, I think we could find you uh, at times in USA Today, ESPN, um, uh, other uh, places like that. You're bringing, um, years ago, APA had this thing about giving psychology away or something to try to uh, have other people experience it in new ways. And you're kind of doing that as one person. It's uh, it's wonderful. Uh, Thank you so much. It truly is. it's a pleasure to bring psychology into different areas where it maybe hasn't had the same inroads before and to help um, those individuals who can really benefit from it. Mm, Good stuff. I heard you mention Lafayette College as your undergrad earlier. My psychology doctorate's from uh, Lehigh. So we have this Lehigh Lafayette uh, rivalry ooh, going here. Ooh, but, yeah, I almost yeah. booed when you said. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> oh, it's funny. Uh, that rivalry is so intense, and there's always banners hanging back and forth and uh, chiding each other. And uh, Lafayette College is in Easton. And uh, Lehigh is in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. I saw a sign uh, recently from the Lafayette-Lehigh kind of rivalry that said, Lafayetteers think Jesus was born in Easton. <laughs> I love it. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. Um, your book, Mind of the Athlete, um, who's it for? Would it be for um, the athlete, for the trainers, for anybody? It's actually a really complicated uh, question because when I wrote a book, anybody that's ever written a book, you know, you're, you're trying to write a book for the end user who's going to be the, you know, person benefiting from the book. In my case, obviously, Mind of the Athlete is really written to help an athlete understand their mind. However, the athletes today, they're not buying books, but mom and dad might. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So the book is written for the athlete, but it also in a way that it's, it's written so parents who are the purchasers of the book or athletic directors or coaches 
who are going to be more in that 25 to maybe 55 demographic. So in some ways, it's kind of a blend. So it's largely for the athlete, but also for the person who's largely going to buy the book um, and quite frankly, more likely to read it. <laughs> yeah. So uh, it is applicable. Um, interestingly, it is applicable to everybody in life because again, the concept, while it says athlete, I could just change the book and say, um, it's mind of the mother. Mm-hmm. And then any mom could be like, yes, I can relate to so much of how the explanation of how the mind actually works best. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. that concept, which is really driven through the whole book about the pre-conscious mind is the part that's very applicable. Yeah, that's kind of what I thought, uh, having read it, um, that it's, um, um, uh, generic's not exactly the word, almost classic, like archetypal. It can fit yeah. in, kind of change change the, the noun, and uh, you can find the wisdom in, in there for your situation. Yeah. Yeah. You, you also have, and, and I know you, you, you didn't intend this to be an infomercial and neither did I, but, but you do have, uh, I think, CDs and things that, that uh, I'm wondering what's in them. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of part of the reason why I'm in the studio here uh, at the moment as I record this with you is that um, when we get done with this, I'm going to record um, a CD or as we call them now, the digital download or who, who knows what to call them now. Uh, but the idea is um, always trying to take um, content. I, I, I like to be a speech writer. I like to pull information together and package it. Uh, so I'm going to record a, one on visualization. Um, and also go back and, and, and add contribute to what I had recorded last month on, on depression. But if I can uh, take psychology as well and turn it into something digitally that um, the people that I spoke to today, I could say to them, yeah, just email me and I'll send this to you. And then you'd have a, a recording of this and you could share with your loved ones, your family members. Uh, that's very, very important. Um, too often in psychology, it's like, hey, uh, you're a speaker and you're here today, go on tomorrow. Um, or that was a really helpful counseling session, but I, it's hard to remember things, right? I mean, stop and think about it. When we're on the other side of things and you go see a physician, for example, and the physician just rattles it off so quickly, then later on you're like, what, what, what did that physician say? I can't even remember it. Well, that's what it's like when people hear us speak too. So I believe that it's very important. So I've got about 20 CDs that are, um, that are available. Uh, that, you know, I distribute to clients or if people want to buy them, they can, they can access them uh, on, uh, on the website. But the idea is like make psychology available in different formats for different people. You use the term visualization a couple times. And uh, I believe you have an interest or background in uh, clinical hypnosis as well. Am I correct? Yeah, absolutely love clinical hypnosis. Uh, studied it for my bachelor's thesis, my master's thesis, where I had an opportunity to hypnotize hundreds of people for that and learn so much. And I guess the thing that fascinates me the most about it is it shows the capability of us as humans to utilize the power of the mind to really impact the body. Mm-hmm. And that is the essence of sports, is I'm going to use the power of my mind to really perform better. And so that whole mind-body connection and the, uh, hypnosis is a really great example. Of course, lots of people uh, have seen that, you know, the classic people show up on a college freshman orientation and do the fun stage hypnosis mm. and it's comical and it's entertaining. 
Uh, so many people have that connotation, but the, but the clinical hypnosis, uh, that's uh, very powerful in a very different way. And it's, uh, it's a pleasure to see some people benefit from that. Right. Um, yes, I know I, I utilize hypnosis quite a lot in my work. And first, you have to kind of uh, get rid of some of the myths and stereotypes. And I give them a little handout and we talk about it and all for a session or two. But, uh, uh, you know, when we were talking about the, the digital downloads to try to say the thing in a modern way, um, it made me think of, of hypnosis. I typically uh, record the session with the patient, the client, and then he or she can utilize that at home to empower them. You know, in the old days, I used a microphone yeah. and cassette tapes, and now I say, do you have a, do you have a, a, a cell phone that records? And usually they'll say, well, I think it does, but I'm not sure yeah. I know how to do that. And yeah. I say, well, ask your grandson or something. Yeah, like right, right, there you go. <laughs> so it's wonderful to be able to, to capture some things and empower people, to give it to them so they can take it with them. Huh? Is, that, is that what you're getting at? Yeah, I think really that's where psychology has to go. Uh, we, you know, I'm obviously a little bit biased to this, but like what we do behind closed doors, one-on-one -on -one helping an individual is incredibly powerful. But in this age where we want the technology and the resources on our phone, we've got to find uh, more opportunities to equip uh, as often use the idea of putting the mental tools into the toolbox of an individual. And so your recording of that hypnosis becomes a very tangible tool that they could access again and again and again and make a huge difference. And it may seem like a small thing to say, why don't you record this? Uh, but it's a really big deal for the patient uh, moving forward. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So have you seen visualization, hypnosis, sports psychology, whatever? How, how might it impact uh, recovery from, um, say, an injury? Have you been, uh, find it helpful in those areas? Yeah, because a lot of times uh, I use simple definitions like anxiety is fear of the unknown and depression is hurt held inward. And so when we're trying to help the injured athlete, for example, uh, come back, uh, they've got a lot of unknowns and they've got a lot of hurts held inward. And so if we can help them override some of the negative thinking that naturally comes with the depression, anxiety, the unknowns and the hurts of bouncing back from an injury, and we can maybe make some suggestions uh, that you know, really get um, implanted into the pre-conscious mind, then that might become another voice in their head that they're able to access to say, well, maybe, uh, maybe I think about it this way, or I'm going to look at it that way, or there's just a, a little bit more of a positive response. And, and we, what we do know is like the body does respond uh, a lot better to positive thoughts than negative thoughts. So if you want somebody to come back from an injury and they're more hopeful and they're more optimistic and they're more positive and their self-talk is reflective of that, we're likely to see them bounce back sooner. And when I do see that for an athlete, it's really, it's, uh, it's powerful, it's uh, rewarding, it's exciting and happy for them. Um, because, you know, at a certain level of sports, it's not just about playing. There's, you know, the professional level, it's business. So there's a lot of uh, business opportunity that they can capitalize on. Good stuff. I, I wonder just to look at... Uh, 
the uh, uh, side of it now that involves uh, maybe parents or stress from coaches or things like that. Is that is that a caveat? Something you have to watch out for that uh, that uh, too much pressure can hurt a, a young athlete. Yeah, kind of get on my soapbox here. Um, <laughs> mind of the parent, and uh, you know the the, the truth is, uh, my my generation of parents, right, Generation X, uh, parents of many of our, our younger athletes today. Um, this may sound critical, but I think we've done a, a really great job of of wrecking youth sports in America. Wow. Something that was so good has become so bad. And if you don't agree with me, I want to invite anybody to come with me to any little league field this weekend and you'll see the kids out there having a wonderful time and it's the coach or the parents on the sidelines that are just creating so much anxiety uh, on the young kids it's like Pavlov's dog right it's like you know we just paired like Susie goes to practice and she kicks the ball and she has fun and she likes it and then on game day dad stands two inches off of the sideline at the exact place that Susie's at. And anytime the ball comes near her, she start, he starts yelling, kick it, kick it. And she gets, oh, so anxious. And then it's like, we've now paired game day with high anxiety because of dad's presence. And then of course, the worst rated sports memory for any athletes uh, today is the car ride home, typically with dad. And you know, the parent just laying into the kid, you got it, you need to, you should, you ought to, you have to. And it's why 70% of all kids will stop playing sports by the age of 13 is like they've just been burnt out because uh, too many parents have tried to make them into little league superstars too early. And wow. emotionally, they just have been, um, they, they, they can't cope with the anxiety. Yeah. Ties in a little bit with uh, some of those basics in cognitive psychology, CBT, the shoulds, the oughts, the musts that we place on one another or on ourselves that uh, that are not really life-giving even just to be able to change those words into it's a goal or we're going to work together on this versus you should you, you must huh yes absolutely mm -hmm. and then again this is where psychology a lot of what i do is really general basic clinical psychology but we're packaging applying it in a, in a different area that maybe wouldn't have been as open to this uh, content before if someone were uh, interested in specializing in sports psychology, um, where would she or he start or how, how does that happen in their professional training? I'm chuckling because that's literally the question I get asked once a week is, oh. hey, Jared, I want to do what you do. Uh, can I talk to you? Oh. And I wish I could field those uh, inquiries each week. Uh, so what I basically did was I recorded a half hour long YouTube video called, So You Want to Be a Sports Psychologist. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> and, and now we just refer to people like, go check out that YouTube video. And I say, most of your questions that you have, you're, you're going to get answered through that video. And after you watch that video, then contact me if you have any additional questions and I can help you out. And so very few people contact me after that video. Uh, because it's so comprehensive as to, you know, do you want a more clinical track? Do you want to go get a master's degree in, in sports psychology and maybe do a little bit more teaching at a, at a, at a community college? Um, there's lots of different options, but I explain it all. And that's probably, I'm biased, but I think that's really the best place for people that are asking that question. I want to do what you do. Where do I start? Well, check that out. Wonderful way of uh, 
giving psychology away, providing it for uh, the masses by just saying, hey, there's a YouTube, it's free, just go there. And, and I'll be glad to follow up with you if you want. That would, that's fantastic. It's so efficient, yeah. uh, so helpful. And I also heard in your answer there, like my stereotype was, well, um, a licensed psychologist at, and, uh, in, in sports psychology, but you were, you were just rattling off a couple different options within the field in general, that it doesn't have to be a licensed psychologist, although that is your uh, way of doing it. Yeah, it doesn't have to be. Although, you know, I, I will say I am biased uh, mm -hmm. to the path of psychology licensure um, just because there's so much mental health. And I've got wonderful friends and colleagues that do great work as maybe doctoral level, uh, PhD in sports psychology consulting. But it's there's so much more going on uh, today that I, I think it's wise for an individual to go the, the more clinical path Mm -hmm. um, I also think that if we if we look at um, sports psychology uh, moving forward, I think that uh, particularly at the college level, uh, and the NCAA already passed this. They were they, Dr. Brian Hainline put out one of his guidelines for mental health, and and one of the big four was uh, licensure. You know, highly recommended, suggested, encouraged. You okay. know, and so we're starting to see that trend where people that don't have a license um, are having a little bit tougher time. Uh, with the NCAA and understandably so mm -hmm. and then of course if you're working with somebody under the age of 18 at a high school level schools understand that mental health is really really a big deal right now so if they don't have a license many uh, schools are saying well we don't really want to work with our our kids under 18 so therefore I do believe that one of the uh, best paths moving forward if somebody's asking me straight up like what do I think I would say go get a master's degree or a doctorate degree that leads to licensure that will open up more doors for you five, 10, 15, 20 years from now. Outstanding, thank you so much. Before we conclude, is there anything else that you want to share with us that, that I've missed? I mean, there's so much, your background is so rich. I'm sure there's lots of areas to explore, but uh, maybe there's something that I haven't touched on. Well, I think the key really is something that I really admire about you, and it's really being a lifelong learner. And so um, one of the things that I think is so important for all of us is to keep growing, keep learning. And so obviously, you know, this interview has you focused on me. We could totally flip the script and do the same thing with me focused on you because your journey is remarkable as well. You know, you've, you spent time in in, in China, and uh, you're into natural medicine as well. I think I have a doctorate in that. Mm -hmm. And um, you speak Chinese. <laughs> uh, you know, you've got such great um, a background and also the blend of the, the spiritual as well, part of your journey. So I think that, you know, the one key point that I want to encourage for all of us in the field is to keep learning, keep growing, and I always tell people, like, just get on the path. There's so many amazing people, mentors, teachers, uh, preachers, speakers, uh, people that are out there that maybe have a slightly different niche than us. And if we could just take pages out of their playbook and put it in our playbook and then share with other people, then everybody wins. And that's really all I'm doing is taking um, psychology and, and, and taking pages of other people's playbooks and sharing and benefit with people that maybe wouldn't have been exposed to 
um, psychology had it not been for somebody kind of pioneering a, a slightly different path. So I just encourage everybody to find their niche and, and, and get after it and keep learning. So much wisdom there. I really, really appreciate that, Jared. It's a wonderful message for us. And I think our world needs it so much. Um, uh, would you want to share your website or any way of contacting you if that uh, people would like to? Sure. Uh, mindoftheathlete.com. And so mindoftheathlete.com is the best way for somebody to reach out to me. Of course, there will be all the links to social media and emails and and phone numbers and all that. And so it would be my pleasure to uh, connect with somebody if I can be of any help to them along their journey in any way. Oh, thank you. Yeah, your, uh, your website is remarkable. It's beautiful. It's got this really nice blue, soft blue color. And you click on tabs and you can see you being interviewed on WFMZ TV and other places and um, uh, a lot of information. It's really an adventure, uh, kind of like uh, getting on a um, treadmill, Nordic track, and uh, having you lead us through the mountains in Pennsylvania. Uh, your website kind of does the same in another way. Well, I really appreciate that, and, and, I, and I hope somebody gets to a hotel. Uh, well, obviously, we're recording this 2020 when we're not in hotels as much, but hopefully somebody will get on a Nordic track, and they'll check out one of those videos, and maybe that'll just be another way that we can educate and, and inspire somebody to be the emotionally healthiest version of themselves, which is really what I hope to do when I impact people. Thank you so much. I'm grateful for your time. We're all grateful. I'm sure we're all enriched by hearing it. So uh, uh, peace be with you and blessings to you and your family. Thank you so much. My Thank pleasure. You. Thanks for listening to this episode of Psychology Radiocast, a service of the Pennsylvania Psychological Association. We'd love to hear ideas from you about important or fascinating topics that we might cover. Email us at ppa at papsy.org. You can also find us at papsy.org. Our project manager and audio editor is Amelia Herbst. Logo and artwork designed by Camille St. James. Music orchestrated by Raquel Emder and Ross Mann. Special thanks to PPA staffer Judy Hutley and PPA members Jessica Black, Bernard Seif, Kim Wesley, Lee Burnett, Cassandra Parrish, Lavanya Devdas, Nancy Raymore, and Molly Cowan for helping to make this podcast possible. As always, the views of our guests may not necessarily reflect those of PPA as an association. Until next time, I'm your host, Dr. David Zarung.